Hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome, glad you're here, and uh, or there, or well, wherever you are. <laughs> We're glad you're watching, how about that? I hope you're doing well, I hope you're handling everything, and if you're not, um, maybe we can help today. Maybe we can encourage you a little bit, remind you of some of the bigger things. And uh, so we're in this series about Ephesians, and uh, yeah, just some great teaching here. So I've invited Autumn Igo to help me to share today, and, uh, and she just uh, runs a lot of the community life stuff here, and a lot of the small groups, a lot of stuff, but she's also uh, really good at teaching the Bible. So we're going to have her um, start the, book of Ephes- or the, the chapter 4 of Ephesians, and we're going to walk through this, we're going to learn some good stuff together. So Autumn, what do you got? All right, so my part today is I get to talk to you about Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16. And um, the author of this book, Paul, um, the summary of his message in this little part is a super easy message to teach on. Nobody's going to like it. It's actually grow up. Grow up. And before we get like too hurt by, you know, Paul insult- insulting us and telling us that we need to grow up, we need to remember that in chapters one through three, he's been super nice to us, okay? So he's told us that we are chosen, we're set apart, we're called, we're heirs of God's promises, we're redeemed, and we are loved more than we can ever imagine. And so in short, his message so far has been, you're super duper special. So then we come to chapter four, and in verse 13, he says this like one little thing that starts to hit us wrong. Like we're super special, we know it. And then in verse 13, he says that we need to become mature. And we think, well, that means that we're immature. And in case we missed it, he goes on in verse 14 and he says, then you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And, and that feels kind of, kind of mean because he's really just calling us babies right now. But that's kind of the first reason why he's saying that we need to grow up. And it's because we're babies. And before we get too, too upset about it, I want you to point out that he uses the word we here. He's not saying you guys are babies. He's saying we're babies. Paul's calling himself a baby in this. And then the second thing is babies are pretty awesome. We love babies. Babies are so, so cool. Um, Wordsworth is a poet, and he actually says that baby, he writes a poem about babies, and he says that they come actually trailing clouds of glory. And it's almost like when you look at a, a, a newborn baby, I actually, I think that newborn babies kind of look like little old men, so I prefer them when they're about like 10 days old or so. But when you look at a 10-day-old baby, it's almost like you're seeing a little little glimpse of heaven. They're just amazing. And that's what we're like. When we um, accept the Lord as our Savior, we're born. We're born again, but we're born as babies. And that's okay because babies' whole goal in life is to grow. Babies are awesome, but it is a tragedy if a baby stays a baby. They've got to get bigger. They've got to learn to walk. They've got to learn to talk. They've got to get smarter. Their brains have to develop. All of that stuff. And if they, that doesn't happen, it's a tragedy. There's something that's really, really wrong. And it's the same for us spiritually. We have to grow up. We can't stay babies. And we see in this, this passage, just in verse um, 14, we see that Paul here kind of has three 
ways that we can tell if we're immature, if there's something in our life that, that we're really just displaying that we're a baby. And the first part says, he says that we're blown here and there by every wind of teaching that comes our way. So the way I interpret that is that babies are kind of indiscriminate. So I have three boys and they were all babies at one point and I can tell you they were indiscriminate. If they crawled across the ground and they came across a piece of, of candy that someone had like thrown out, it went in their mouth. Piece of trash, in their mouth. Poison on the ground, it was going in their mouth. They just kind of grabbed everything and they consumed it. And when we're spiritually immature, that's what we do with false teaching or any kind of teaching. Any teaching that comes our way and, and grabs our attention, we take it and we yum, 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 and we, con we consume it. And um, I, the best example I have of this is I have a really good friend who's been through some terrible tragedy in her life. And um, she hears this one phrase and it just drives her crazy. And the phrase is, God won't give you more than you can handle. And we've all lived through the last couple of months. And so we haven't suffered all the, the things that she suffered, but I've suffered this, these last couple months. And I tell you, it's more than I can handle. And, and the lie of that statement, it's not that God won't give you more than you can handle. The lie is that it's, the truth is that God won't give you more than he can handle. He, he lets us experience these situations. And in these situations, we learn how powerless we are and how powerful he is, that he's the one that can handle our situation. And that's what maturity does for us, is it helps us to be able to see these lies and recognize them for lies. And the only way that we're gonna be able to do that is if we just start seeping ourselves in God's word, knowing what the truth of his word says so that when a lie comes along, we recognize it. So the second thing that Paul says about babies um, is that they are self-absorbed. And we see this in, back in verse two when he prays that we would become humble. You know, um, they're not already humble. We need to become humble. And if you think about a baby, they think that the entire world revolves around them. I mean, if you think about your grandson, you know, he wants his food the way he wants it, when he wants it, and he wants you to make like a zooming sound as you get it into his mouth. And if you don't do any of those things, he's not gonna take it. And, and I, see, I don't think anyone out there is spiritually immature in this way, but I'm just gonna say that I'm immature in this way. And, and I can see this immaturity in myself when um, maybe I get super easily offended. I didn't get asked you know, to do, be involved in this ministry or to lead in this way that I wanted to. Or maybe it's um, a weekend service. You know, Doyle did not preach the sermon the way that I wanted it preached or they didn't sing the song that I wanted them to sing. Um, maybe it's like sometimes somebody points out to me that I'm wrong. Oh, you know, how could I possibly be wrong? And if I respond that way, it's showing that I'm immature. And the thing with humility is it's not weakness. It's actually the character strength of being able to look past yourself to other people. It's um, spiritual maturity in this area is not thinking less of myself, it's thinking of myself less. I didn't make that up, Doyle told me that other people said that, but I thought that was good. That we need to think about other people more than we think about ourselves. And the last thing that Paul kind of points out in this section is that babies, they're, they're blown here and there. 
They're just unstable little people. Um, they can be just completely filled with joy one moment and then the next minute they're like little bawling messes on the ground. Or they're like super excited and interested in every word that you're saying. And then like you stop giving 110% and they're, they're bored. They're bored of you and they're moving on. And we can see this, um, I, well, I saw this in myself um, this last March. And it was just right at the beginning of the shutdown. And I have to say, I think you were too. We were just glued to the news. And it was like one second I'd be super happy because people were saying, oh, this is all gonna go away. And I'd be like, oh good, we're gonna all be back together again. And then the next second I'd hear something else that was saying exactly the opposite. And we're you know, never gonna be back together again. And I'd be like so depressed. I'm never gonna see any of my friends again. And I was just going back and forth and back and forth. And I realized I'm being immature here. This is not what God has called me to do. God has just called me to trust in him. And so this was a really easy one for me to fix because most of my news was coming from the radio in my car. And so literally I just changed the radio station from the news to a worship station. And like most of my problems went away. But we need, when we find ourselves experiencing immaturity in this, we need to realize that people who are mature, that aren't babies anymore, that they're focused on God, that they're steady. No, no matter how unstable the situation, they're grounded in God and so they're steady. They follow through on what they've committed to. They know how to suffer and stay joyful. They know how to be obedient even when it's tough. Okay, so we need to grow up because we're babies. The second thing that we see in this passage is that we need to grow up because we have been called and we have been gifted by God. Now, calling and gifting are kind of like Christian-y terms. So I'm gonna just kind of point out in here. So in verse one, Paul says that we need to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. And then in verse seven, he says, he gave gifts, God gave gifts to his people. So what does this mean? So if you have any kind of familiarity with scripture, you probably heard of like Moses and we know that he was kind of called by God and gifted to lead his people or, or somebody like Mary who was called by God and, and gifted with a really special task. And we think, oh, okay, so special people are the ones that are gifted. They're the ones that have gifts and callings. But what Paul is saying here is that all of us are called and gifted. So for me, um, my first call came when I was about 16 years old. And I heard God's voice speak to me. And I didn't hear from it like, you know, booming out of a cloud. I actually heard from one of my youth leaders and my youth pastor. And they sat me down and they, they called me to lead in my youth group. And so I started leading in my youth group and I led, um, I, I answered that calling for the next 20 years in my church. And um, I, I got a call, you know, it would be like we'd move and I'd go to a new church and, and I'd, I'd get a call from another, another volunteer. I'd get a call from a ministry leader. I'd get a call from a pastor. And, and that would be God's voice saying to me, Autumn, I've given you gifts, use them. 
And the way that I used them was I was a greeter. I was a small group leader. I worked in the nursery. I'm not actually called to work in the nursery. <laughs> I'll just tell you guys that. Um, a kid's ministry helper. I was on the setup and teardown team for a while. And I did this through every season of my life. I started in high school. I, sur I answered the call in college. I answered the call when I first got married. When I became a working mom, I answered the call. Because when I was serving, when I was answering this call, I was growing. I was becoming more mature. And then about seven years ago, um, God's call for me changed a little bit. So at this point, I had been working um, in my family business, which is in marketing, for about 15 years. And um, it was a good job and it seemed really logical for me that my next step was gonna be to take over our family business. Um, I liked you know, working with my family. It was good hours, good pay. It just, it, it made sense. But at the same time, my calling to the volunteer ministry that I was doing was kind of ramping up and I had taken over a volunteer ministry here at Seacoast. And it was like my days worked out that I was answering God's call and doing my volunteer ministry and just being super excited about it. And then I was doing my work and it was like, okay, got that done. Okay, now I get to do ministry. And it was like this big difference between the two of them. And then one day in August of about, I think it was 2013, God just kind of whacked me over the head with it. And he said, um, Autumn, this family job that you've been doing, it's good, but it's not my best for you. It's not what I have called you to give your life to. And so I sat down my dad um, and I had what I hope is going to be the hardest conversation of my life with him um, because um, I told him I, I need to quit and this isn't what God has called me to do with my life. I'm not going to take over my company or over the company. And so um, we both, I think we're pretty upset, uh, but we went home and we just started praying. And, um, and I was super stressed because I felt like here I am, I, you know, I have this legacy of a family business that's being handed down to me and it's all on my shoulder and I'm, I'm not just letting down my, my parents, but I'm letting down my grandparents and you know, it's just this generational thing. Um, and I felt all this weight on my shoulders and I was super stressed, but that was when God really just started showing off because you're gonna laugh when I say this, but I haven't mentioned so far, but I have a brother, an older brother actually. Um, and the reason that he wasn't involved in the family business is because 11 years earlier, God had called him to full-time ministry in Indonesia. And we really thought that that, that was gonna be God's calling for him for his whole life. Um, but what we didn't know was that literally the same day that I sat my dad down and told him that I didn't want the job, uh, my brother and his wife sat down and they uh, really prayed and sought God. And he told them that his calling was for them to go back to the United States and get a job. Um, so here we are on kind of two different sides of the world. Neither of us is really talking to each other, but we're all talking to God. And all week we're praying, you know, my dad's praying, you know, who could take over our business? And my brother's praying, I need a job. And finally on Friday, um, my dad just really felt God telling him, call James. And James started getting this thing, I'm supposed to call my dad. And they called each other and kind of the rest is history. And so I spent the next two years or so just transitioning the business um, to my brother, um, you know, getting, getting my, myself out of it. 
And, um, and I kind of thought, okay, God, like I'm ready. What, you know, where, where are you going to call me next? And um, the call came from the most unlikely person in the world, uh, Chris Bergen, who's our executive pastor here, called me and asked me if I would come on staff. And so I started um, right then, I think it was in 2015, I started on staff here and I started out part-time and I, I worked into full-time and now I'm actually in seminary. Uh, and I, I don't know if you know, but I am almost done with the first part of my degree. I'm in, in three weeks. I'm getting my certificate in Bible exposition and theology. So I'm super excited about that. But I have continued to answer God's call in my life um, as, as he's called me. And you might be wondering, you know, how does that actually apply to you? And so I want to point out a couple things from my story that I think are pretty universal. So one is that um, your calling is going to come from God, but it's going to come through his people. So um, it is, I, I never, like I said, just heard like an audible voice from God, but I did hear a voice that I could, that, you know, there was a voice that I heard and it was the voice of his people. So you need to be listening to God's people when they start calling you to help, calling you and telling you what their needs are. Um, the other thing is your calling is going to cost you and it's going to cost you tons of time. It's going to cost you tons of emotional investment. I can't tell you, and I'm sure you feel the same way, how many times you've woken up in the middle of the night just with a burden for this church and, and its people. Just It costs you so much mentally and emotionally. But I'm also going to tell you, that answering your call is going to be the key to you having an eternal impact um, on this world. So, I, I, you know, I told you that this calling, it's cost me. But what it's given me is just so, so, so much more. I can't imagine my life without, God's call, without me answering God's calling in it. Um, if I hadn't answered God's call, I wouldn't have been able to lead eight-year-old girls to the Lord. If I hadn't answered God's call, I wouldn't have been able to baptize tons and tons of people. If I hadn't answered God's call, I wouldn't have gotten to see God work in my life, in my family. I wouldn't have gotten to see God reach from one side of the world in Indonesia to us in California and bring my family together and take care of that business and take care of me. I look back at my life and I think um, about the times that I've answered God's call and when I've used my gifts and it's like they're bright points in my history. And if I had said no to that calling, it would be like color was being sucked out of my life. So that's my final point is that we need to grow up so that we can have an impact, that we can use our gifts Verses 15 and 16 say, um, instead, speaking the truth in love, we grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So the interesting thing here is um, back in verse 15, it was talking about infants, which is like plural. And now all of a sudden we see this one, one thing that is mature, and that's the body of Christ. You can only experience your calling, exercise your gifts. You can only grow in the body of Christ. This is something that you have to do with people. In order for you to have an eternal impact, you have to commit to the body of Christ. I, I read a um, commentary that actually put it this way. It says, individual spiritual growth that is not shared with the rest of the body is not true spiritual growth 
or maturity? Oof, that's kind of a hard one, huh? So if, you're grow, if you think you're growing and you're not part of the body, it's not true spiritual growth. You need to do your part to build this body because nobody can replace your contribution. It's not just up to us. It's not up to like the superstar volunteers. It's up to all of us. We all have a part to build this body. And we need you. We need you. There's no job that is at this church that is more important or less important than the other. From greeters to the people in the parking lot to the pastors to the people that are holding the babies in the nursery. They are all working to build up Christ's body. And this is how you grow up. This is how we grow up together. This is how we show the world that Jesus changes everything. And so now the rest of this, this chapter and, and kind of the ones that come after it are going to tell us how we actually walk this all out in our daily lives. Off Thank to you. Doyle. Great job. Great job. So I think I heard you say that earlier on he teaches theology. Now it's walkology. Yes. Is that what you said? Yeah. That's good. Well, there's a lot left in this, in this uh, chapter because it, it kind of, uh, it, I don't know. I don't know if it changes direction or it, it gets real specific. Paul gets real specific about some things, and and it, even as he's telling us to live out our calling, he wants us to do it with gratitude, remembering who we used to be, mm-hmm. and so and who we used to be were pretty messed up people, and that now we're no longer Gentiles and Jews. We're now a, a new person called a Christian or a part of the Jesus tribe, and as such, we're going to live differently than we used to live. And so he lays out some, and I'll I'll go through them fairly quickly here. In verses 17 through 24, he lays out how we're different, and and more importantly, how we used to be. And then he'll he'll, he'll talk about how we're supposed to be now. And uh, so just in in that section, let me just read for you uh, real quick through that section. And remember, here are the three things that he talks about. That you used to be this way in your mind or in your thinking. You used to be this way in your heart or in your priorities or the core of what you're about. And it used to be this way with what you did with your body. That's kind of what he gets at to to kind of boil it down. So he says this. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Remember the first one is your mind? The futility of your thinking. Now what's interesting about that is, and I'm hesitating because I feel like I want to talk about something and it could be highly controversial. And you just did such a great job of encouraging us and lifting us up. But I want to maybe confront a little something. Um, I think that the gift we can give to the world right now, the calling we have right now as Christians, in addition to the specific place of ministry, is to be a non-anxious presence in our world. Mm. I think that we are to be like Jesus in the boat during the storm. Mm. And the problem is, so many of us, like you were in the first few weeks of this thing, and I was the first few weeks of this thing, is we are running around like chickens with our heads cut off. <laughs> and and I'm, seriously, we're all panicked. When's this going to be over? How's the church going to survive? I'm going to get my job. Yeah, yeah. And there are all things to worry about except if you're called not to worry. Mm-hmm. And when it says that before you had a futility of thinking, as you mentioned, I've stopped watching the news because of the futility, because all I'm hearing are opinions. I'm not hearing anybody who really knows what they're talking about. And if they are, I can't discern it from all the other voices. And, it, and I began to realize that there may not be a way out of this thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, yeah, I mean, I know there's a way out, but I don't know what the way out is. And I realized that me trying to figure this thing out, whether it's, it's the COVID crisis or it's the racial unrest that's happening right now, I can't fix those things. 
And if I just keep spinning and spinning and spinning with every news cycle, it's, it's pretty futile. <laughs> the futility of their thinking. I want to suggest a lot of people that are trying to make things happen don't know what they're doing. And if you think you know what you're doing, you're probably wrong. Because at the end of the day, you don't have solutions, I don't have solutions, because what, what we need is what happens in the next section, verses 20 through 24. So one of the things that we used to have is this circular thinking, just round and round. And it goes on, it says, verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance. <laughs> it's like, and he's not talking about, that. he's talking about you. He's talking about you and me without God that we are darkened, it's kind of like a brain fog. We have darkened understanding and that we're ignorant. We, we're ignorant of a lot of things. We're ignorant of God's plan. We're, I was just praying today. And I was praying about the situation in our country. And I was, I was reminding God that he's our creator. Now he didn't forget, but sometimes I seem to forget. And that if he could create the heavens and the earth, then he could create a solution to the problems we're seeing. And that we as Christians need to be willing to follow whatever options, whatever openings he gives us. But he is the creator. He is the creator of the heavens, the earth, and the solutions for a broken marriage, for a family that's struggling, for a nation that is divided. He is the solution. And to think otherwise is, again, utility. And we, the darkening of our understanding, we kind of fall back. So a part of the, a part of the picture is you change clothes. When you become a Christian, you change clothes. You take off your old self, which by the way, that means take it off and burn it. It means, it means take it off. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But it, it's a, it, it, you take it off and you get rid of it. Not just hang it on a hook to wear it at a different time. You get rid of it. It's found in the next section. And so your old clothes stunk. They were bad. Like one time I got, I don't know if you know, I was in India one time and they lost my luggage. And I was up in the mountains in, in the Himalayas for two weeks. And everybody there is about half my size. And so I would go to a local market and ask for clothes and they would just laugh at me. They would just laugh and, and it was just, I wore the same clothes. I had two t-shirts, one pair of pants. We'll stop there. But um, <laughs> I wore the same clothes outside, riding with windows open in the car all the time for two weeks. Oh. Do you think I ever wore those clothes again? <laughs> I did not ever wear And so Paul is trying to help us. If you're going to be a person who lives according to your calling and impact the world, you got to get rid of your stinky clothes. Mm. And a part of your stinky clothes is this futile thinking that thinks you can figure it out or that the, the problems can be solved without going beyond um, our ability, without inviting God in. That's futile. And so in our mind, and, 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 and the ignorance that comes from the hardening of our hearts. Hardening of our hearts is, there is no God. I don't need God. I can figure this out. I am God, whatever it is. And when we harden our hearts to God, we become ignorant. That's, those are harsh words. Have you ever done anything ignorant? Yeah, I have too. Just today, probably. And then he goes on and he, and he talks about this. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge. So the first one is mind, the, 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 the futility of thinking. The second one is they harden their hearts so their hearts aren't soft toward God. They're not open. You ever met a couple who was uh, having marriage problems? And, the, and I, I used to do marriage counseling until I realized I'm terrible at it. <laughs> and they would come in and they'd just be like, oh, an opposite in the couch, which was good because they couldn't punch each other or whatever. <laughs> and, and it was just, oh, they just hardened their hearts toward each other. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that have hardened their hearts toward God. Here's what happens. Again, I don't want to get in trouble here, but let's go for it. When we harden our hearts toward God, we harden our hearts toward other people. Mm -hmm. And then what do we do when we have an issue? We power up on each other whether it's a husband, wife, it's, uh, it's a staff member like we are. It's if, it's if it's one race versus another one. Without Jesus keeping our hearts open and soft and malleable, 
we harden our hearts toward God, then we harden towards you, and we have nothing left but trying to power up on each other. And 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 violence on violence is not a winning solution. Mm. It's not a, it's not it's not okay to kill an unarmed black man. It's also not okay to kill a 77 year old um, uh, African American guard uh, trying to. It's not okay. Violence is not okay. But it begins with this ignorance, this darkened understanding, thinking violence is the answer, and a hardening of our hearts, and then. We just give ourselves over to our, our desires. And he talks about this, and having lost all sensitivity. By the way, what does it take to pull a trigger on a 77-year-old man trying to, trying to guard a store? What kind of, it takes a conscience that has been seared. I mean, everybody, agree, we all agree on those things. How, what does it take to kill an unarmed man who is handcuffed? Something is wrong with the conscience here. The Bible is saying, if you keep violating your conscience more and more, and you're not connected with God, suddenly things that are definitely wrong seem okay to you. Hmm. Right? And, and this is part of how we're in the mess. And, and we have a long history getting in this mess. I understand that. And I'm not making political statements. I'm making spiritual statements, okay? So save your cards and letters. Um, <laughs> and, and they're given over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Hmm. This isn't just talking about sexual desire. This is about any of our desires. So uh, somebody, I perceive they've mistreated me or they do mistreat me. And what do I, what is my, my desire? I give myself over to my anger, which becomes bitterness, which eventually explodes. And so this is all just wearing the wrong clothing. Spiritually, you're not dressed. You're not in a relationship with Christ. That's how we get there. And if we don't stay dressed, if we don't keep that new self on, that new creation he's creating us to be on, we can easily fall back into this kind of a mindset. And so our body can give it to, to, to rage, to all kinds of different things. Um, and then he goes on and he says this. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Um, surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, all this stuff that we can't fall back into. And to put off your old self. That's the, take it off. Don't hang it up. Burn it. Burn it. Just get rid of it. It's never worth wearing. Don't even try it on for a little while again to see if it still fits. Don't. And it says, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. It could be anger, it could be bitterness, it could be lust, it could be greed, it could be any number of things. And it says, um, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. In other words, my mind, I've got to think differently about the way I'm seeing things, about who I am in this world and what I'm intended to do. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we are called to take off this bad understanding of who we are and the world around us. Now, he goes on, and I'm not going to take time to share it with you, but he goes on in the rest of the chapter to tell you, <laughs> don't run around naked spiritually. He <laughs> doesn't just say take it off and put on and don't put anything on. He says put on the new creation, which in Scripture isn't, isn't a, it's not a washed version of the old one. It's not like a second chance of the old one. Matt talked about that at, at, the, at the debrief this week. It, it's not that outfit. It is a new you. It is a new you who is no longer thinking about other racial groups the way you used to or letting your anger get the best of you the way you used to or whatever it might be. You are a new you and you live in that outfit. That is the uniform you wear into the world. It's a new me, a new way of thinking and, uh, and with a new attitude and a new self in righteousness and holiness. So that's a lot. Yeah. So uh, rather than try to push through the rest of this, um, join the debrief this week on Thursday night. Even if you're not in a group, join us. If you're not in a group, you're missing out on the best stuff. But join us and we'll, we'll debrief the rest of this chapter and talk about a bunch of other stuff too. But let me just say, 
Um, <laughs> as a pastor, a lot of people want me to say a lot of things about what's going on in the world right now. But I have to be honest, I don't know what to say. Injustice is wrong anywhere, everywhere, all the time. Um, there are racists in our country. Um, I don't know what to do about the virus. Here's what I know. Here's what I know how to do is to humble myself before him and look for opportunities to live out my calling. And as I look for opportunities to live out my calling, I believe God will bring into my path opportunities to be like Jesus in that moment in whatever arena it is that he brings into my path. Here's the thought that has come to me so much lately. Humble yourself. Get on your knees, which is interesting because we're seeing a lot of people on the news get on their knees. Now, the first place you need to get on your knees is before God and humble ourselves. Get rid of the old, the old outfit and start having a new, a new kind of attitude of the mind is the phrase he uses here. A new way of thinking about the world. And until we do that, we can't force fit something. We can't legislate something, even though we may need to do both of those at some point. But as for me, as for Christians, we need to start with us. We need to start with us before God. And then as you begin to live out your calling, you begin to, because I know before you came to work with us, you were involved in some, an injustice in the world, a, a very harsh injustice. And you worked with a group of people helping try to resolve that issue. As you follow your calling, God will lead you into those opportunities and you'll know them. And if you have a specific passion and compassion in a given area, and that's what God wants you, he will bring you an opportunity. You won't be able to get away from it. And that's what we need to be ready to. But you can't do that if you're still wearing the stinky clothes. Right. And so let's get rid of the stinky clothes. Let's become the new creation so that God can use us in the calling that he's called us to. Hey, listen, thanks for letting us share. We appreciate it. Autumn, thank you for sharing. You did yeah, a great job. And uh, and we're loving the book of Ephesians. And if you're not doing the downloads or the the what you, debriefs, you call debriefs. them, you ought to go back and pick up the old ones and check them out and look at the one that's Thursday because you will just it's like taking a drink from a fire hose. <laughs> and uh, and yet it's great stuff. And you will come away um, understanding scripture so much better and knowing God better and probably be more like Jesus. And uh, so we invite you to do that. Okay, God bless you guys.